1: yeah it's about staying calm really any situation with a car accident or driving faster like you know what there's nothing you can do about it stay calm and and think rationally hey
2: everyone and welcome back to another episode of it ain't weak to speak my name is sam webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community connection and the hard-hitting truth I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. I hope you've been taking extra special care of yourselves during this very weird and turbulent time that we're all facing in life. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who shared the podcast, who's commented, reviewed, who's given us feedback, who's sent it to their friends. Thank you very much for spreading the love. It all goes towards helping spread the message and hopefully we can save more lives together. Well, I have absolutely no idea how I got this guy on the podcast, but I'll be forever grateful and forever thankful for his time. He's an Australian Surfing Hall of Famer. He spent over 10 years on the ASP World Tour for surfing. He's been doing it for decades. He's the king and the legend of surfing when it comes to big waves. His name is Ross Clark Jones. If you don't know him, this is the episode you don't want to miss because we're going to find out the ins and outs of why he chases the biggest waves on the planet and how that makes him feel. And we're also going to talk about his very close calls with death surfing how he's been able to manage his way out of that, how he remains calm amongst you know, situations where he'd otherwise freak out and panic. I want to be able to find out those tips and tricks and those wisdoms so that we can share it with our audiences so that you can go away in your life and use maybe some of these to cope with your stresses and things that are out of your control. You only have to type his name in Google to see the things that this guy's achieved in the sport. In and out of surfing, he's he's renowned, the legend of all legends. I can't wait to get him on the show. I'm going to also talk to him about his recent mental health journey and his struggles, having overcome a, a, a quite a serious injury that he sustained on Australian Survivor in 2019. We both actually competed on, on that TV show. Mine was in 16, 2016, his was in 2019, so we're going to talk about that and have some fun as well. But without further ado, let's welcome the legend, the Hall of Famer, the surfing icon of the world when it comes to big wave surfing, Ross Clark-Jones. Mate, welcome onto the show. I'm stoked to have you on. How are you? It's a pleasure, mate. Pleasure to be in lockdown with you. <laughs> where, where's lockdown for you right now, mate? Phillip Island on Cape Willamai. It's a um, lovely day down here. I'm out here in LA and it's yeah, we're, we're in lockdown now for another four weeks and they're, then they're going to reassess it. So I dare say this will carry on for quite some time. What about surfing and that, mate? Can you still get out and surf?
1: No. Well, you can. I mean, I've seen guys I haven't surfed yet since my accident on Survivor. Um, that was May thirtieth last year, so I've missed a lot of opportunities, like Big Waves and Nazaré. I missed the WSL tow surfing contest, and I, luckily I didn't miss the Eddie I Cow again because I didn't have it. That's been torture for me.
2: Let's just rewind the clock for those people who don't know Ross your full name ross clark jones do you go by ross rcj oh it's actually howard ross stewart clark jones but i go by ross clark jones (laughs) mate so let's rewind the clock then because i want to find out exactly what that experience has been like because injury is is bad at the best of times but almost nearing a year now in in recovery or rehab whatever you want to call it it must be challenging especially being active like you are how did it happen mate i know that you're on survivor um, day 28. Yeah, day
1: 28, I was like, you know, getting into the game and I had my alliances all set and ready to, <laughs> ready to go to merge, ready to vote Harry out. <laughs> oh, mate, what happened? Oh, and then I was doing uh, like a, a rope swing uh, from platform to platform, a very low-level rope swing, and I thought, oh, this is no worries. It's like probably the easiest part of the course and mid swing the rope started unraveling and broke and i just collected the next platform and they thought sort i of broke my ankle but it was actually worse with a syndesmosis thing it was a, um the ligaments just got torn from the uh, between the two bones on the leg yeah it was horrific
2: wow so the the actual accident was much
1: worse than people probably perceived it was on well, the well it the said show. it was a broken ankle which, which is literally a broken ankle uh, but I had my bones were really strong, so the bones didn't break, but the ligaments came off. So um, they had to do a tightrope construction and screws. And and uh, I've had some injuries. I've broken my neck, I broke my back, and torn ligaments in my arms and stuff. But I've never had an ankle injury like this, and it's probably the worst injury I've ever had. Even
2: after surfing, you know, the, the size of waves that you've surfed and the situations you've been in.
1: So, I mean, when I got collected on the rocks in Nazareth in 2018, you know, I was getting battered around like a pinball and that didn't have any, any impact at all. It's just my legs got a bit corked. You know, so it's something like this, those little, silly little things. But, I mean, survival was a great experience. Did you find it hard, mate, mentally, like given the situations you found yourself in? I actually realised out there after 28 days I am fine. Like, I was really stable. I was surprised. Like, you know, the emotions of, uh, you know, being surfing or Instagram or all the technologies or money and all this stuff that goes up and down. And when you just simplify your life to a couple of friends that you enjoy their company, a couple of rice and beans, a couple of challenges, one per day. I mean, I couldn't sleep out there and coconuts and I was having a ball. And I realized, you know, I could be out there alone if I needed to. I realized how stable I was. Um, people you think, you know, call me, accuse me of being crazy, but I realized how uncrazy I am.
2: Wow. So, what, mate, just quickly on that experience before day 28, I guess, turned turn the, the course of the next 12 months of your life around, what was the, the hardest thing about Survivor
1: for you, mate? What was the experience like? Oh, uh, the hardest thing for me was sleeping. Um, I have sleep apnea, which is causes a lot of other problems. And I, I should be using a CPAP machine, which I haven't been the last couple of years off and on. It's just a hassle. But really, you're really, it's a necessary part for that disease or disorder, sleep disorder. And I realized out there, I mean, like I was choking out there pretty much. You don't get enough oxygen to your brain. And so you just walk around like a a zombie all day. But I was up all night pretty much. Like I try and get a couple of hours or a couple of minutes on the beach and it started raining and then I just went to the, the, the shelter. Apparently, I, I started snoring for a one minute and people were like waking me up and I'm like, you know what, I, I'm just going to burn everyone in their shelter right now. <laughs> 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 I got, that, in the end, what enough. I did was just built the fire all night and uh, hung by the fire and and just kept that going all night. That was my... Uh, saviour for sanity, I reckon. Yeah, the fire kept me going for sure. I was just so happy when the sun started to come up. And then the whole day came and then you, you're like, is it a challenge
2: today? Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, I'd go for the swimming morning every morning. Yeah, it was cool. I really enjoyed that. And I know you and Luke you, uh, were very close out in the island.
1: Yeah, Luke and Dave and, and the girls with uh, Janine and um, Pierre and Abby and because of the merge, the tribe swap and stuff. And it was a bummer because Dave and Luke we were just trying to get back because they separated us. We were, I mean, Luke, We were on the beach laughing our heads off about the bananas and stealing bananas and stuff. I mean, we're we're in fits of laughter. We, it was We were having so much fun. And then he, he said to me, I bet you they split us up. <laughs> we're having too much fun here, you, you know. Would you do all this again, if you do Survivor again? Yeah, like I, I've been watching, you know, this last season and I'm like, you know what, yes and no. I just sort of to and fro. I went, yeah, I'd love to do that again. And then I'd go, no, not the same spot. Then maybe some other location or something. Or I've been worrying up to go on or, go, or not go on. Or But, yeah, I don't know. They told me a once in a lifetime, I don't know, t- twice in a lifetime. Maybe the
2: next challenge is waiting for you, mate, once you get past this recovery. Talking about this ankle recovery, mate, like put, putting yourself on the sidelines for this long, given that you, you, you said earlier you've had some horrific accidents in the past that haven't put you out or, or caused this much problems for you. How
1: have you managed to deal with this, mate? It's been really tough. I've been, you know, I've been actually depressed a lot. I mean, you can't move off the couch. I mean, that's how I was stuck for a while with my, my moon boot and then, and my froth for life is just, it was like a caged animal. And it was difficult and I couldn't even, I didn't want to talk to friends or, which I probably should have been. I just would cut everybody off. I had to, you know, because I was feeling horrible. I'd cut my children off or, you know, they wanted to talk to me. I didn't want to talk to anybody. It was hard to take because um, if anyone, people that know me that, you know, my zest for life is, Unequaled. I just want to go everywhere and talk to everyone and have fun all the time. But this wasn't fun. I mean, I, I think I've watched everything on Netflix and just bores the shit out of me now. But then you know, it, I've, I think I've turned a corner. You know, like um, I've hit the bottom of the market, if you like. <laughs> but starting to exercise more with my, I'm uh, doing all my physio. I've been because I've been doing driving to Melbourne every three or four days from Philip Island. You know, I couldn't even drive and and that's a passion of mine to drive and I couldn't even drive I was like oh this is fucked I, I went from this high from Survivor going this is one of the ultimate peaks and then as soon as I hit that platform it just went downhill and it just ruined my surfing I couldn't do anything I'm like I can't even drive I was set to go to Germany and drive cars around a racetrack and after I came out of Survivor but um I'm a very fortunate person to have the life I've led to date anyway. So, you know, to gratitude, I've been grateful for what I have as well.
2: Well, you survived some near misses, mate, no doubt, in your career out in the waves. Can you talk to me about that, mate? No doubt, I think, over this past 10 months, you know that you'll get through all this. There's no doubt about that. And we'll talk about what's next soon. But before we get there, can we talk about... Mate, the surfing side, like I'm so fascinated, like I'm like a kid, like I'm curious, like I, I, I'm shit scared of any side of big waves, like when I was growing up, I grew up on the Gold Coast, so Burley Point was a regular surf spot for me, but whenever it got, you know, double overhead, I was always never to be seen in the surf, because I didn't really like big waves, and the possibilities of panic, and what to do if you held under the water. Mate, where does this... Come from? You've surfed the biggest waves you can possibly surf. Yeah. What the hell does that feel like? What
1: does the adrenaline feel like? How do you manage that? I mean, that for me is is probably what gets me through life. I mean, it, that's that's the motivator for me to keep going because there's not swells every day, and, it, and it'd be too, I mean it'd be too much adrenaline overload to get them every day. But you just need one or two per year to keep you going through the year. It's like the buildup. I mean, over the years, I've been surfing like forty-two years or something now, uh, and surfing big waves about since I was nineteen. Uh, you know, it was the first time I went to Hawaii, but you know, and that's when I've like, oh, finally, I've got to Hawaii, and I'm like, wow, this is what I'm I love doing, and and I, I saw people scared around me, and I was like, frothing on that. I <laughs> going, you know, I've got an advantage here because um, I, I love doing this. And, and then there's only a few people I can see in their eyes that were really wanted it, like Todd Chester was one. He died. Uh, he drowned. Mark Fu, he's died as well. Donnie Solomon, he drowned as well. I mean, okay, there's not many more <laughs> left. That, but then now there's a lot of, lot of kids and Kai Lenny and, I mean, there's a younger crew coming up um, that really want, they're hungry. A lot of Brazilians are hungry for these big ones. What I've one of- wanted to understand you
2: said it earlier it gets you through you know you only need a couple of sessions a year and it yeah. really gives you that gives you that zest for life and it gives and, it, and it's satisfying but what are you feeling like mate like when you i'm talking about when you're at the back of log cabins when i'm watching biggest wednesday 60 70
1: foot waves okay that's a different story the first time we saw it with with tony ray and i um we went out on our little jet ski i mean that's the first time we've seen anything like that with first time we've been out the back in a swell that big, and it was one of the biggest swells. It was like there were ninety foot sets, forty five foot calculated waves that reaches. That means it's like a ninety foot face, and that's the biggest I've ever seen. And Tony and I were just going, "Fuck me!" We're in awe of it. We weren't even scared because we were just. We're, it was like a trance. It was like football fields turned on their sides, and it, and we were just in awe of it. And we go, "We're just getting, we're trying to uh, film." the extreme IMAX movie and no one could get out and Bradshaw got out and we went out from Bradshaw's house and I got three waves. I got Tony, Tony, come on, come on. I said, one more, you know, one more. And Tony goes, give me a, give me a wave you fuck with. And I went, no, no, one more. And that was the the one we got hammered on. Tony just drove into the, the set. Yeah, saw on the jet yeah, ski. Yeah. This is, this is number uh, what, 1998. Uh, with a with a two-stroke jet ski and just and we just got cleaned up and we didn't have we didn't even have life vests back then what
2: do you <laughs> mean you such... vests. oh <laughs> my god mate. Yeah, so, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so mate tell me what does that feel like so when you're getting hit by these waves what what goes through your mind when you're underwater i, I, I want to know i mean, remember we were young
1: younger and uh, you know, we were just like frothing so much. It was a so new. It was such a new and we, there was no one doing it. It was only four of us had jet skis in the, in the world boat back then. You know, there was Laird Hamilton, they were trying to surf Jaws and, and it was uh, Ken Bradshaw and there like, was only like two or three teams out there and we were like walking on the moon basically. Um, yeah, and Tony and I were drifting for, for the next 12 hours on a half sunken jet ski and just going what was that you know well did you ever have a moment and you
2: like i mean let's be honest it's it's it takes a very special person to do this did you ever have that moment like fuck, i think i'm gonna die
1: well at at one stage we're like fuck, how are we gonna get in because it was so big i mean the whole north shore was closing out until Helly Eva like I mean, if you, that's 11 mile coastline and there's nowhere to get in. Usually there's channels everywhere. And even the Halleover Harbour was closing out. And we went in, I don't know how we made it in, and they're going, just leave the jet ski. And I'm like, nah, I'm going now with the ship. But that was our baby back then, you know, like Tony and I are going, no, nah, I'm not leaving this jet ski, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we towed it in, and, you know, by the time we got in, the cops were there and go, what are you guys doing out there? We did
2: it. So you obviously survived that, but you've survived a number of number of other big ways. Has there ever been a moment in your life, the scariest moment of your life, where you actually thought, what have I got myself in there? I don't know that I'm going to make it out of this. Yeah,
1: 1991, the first trip to the Mentales that anyone had done, really pretty much anyone on a boat with Martin Daly, it was Martin Potter and and Tom Carroll and we had a group of Stuart Cadden and Whitey and uh, Bodge and uh, there was uh, Lee Mould, It was like a group of Paul Graham. It was a group of guys from Bali and Newport Beach. It was like eleven of us on on a boat, a small boat, and that was the first mission out there. And it was the biggest surf we'd ever seen in Indonesia. Um, it was like 20 feet uh, left that we called laxative because everyone shit themselves that we named the break. Yeah, mate. I actually, I've heard of that. I've heard of the break. Yeah. Laxatives. Yeah. I named it. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. But uh, yeah, it was like that one moment I looked up at Tom and, and Potts paddling over the set. How big How big are we talking? Uh, it, was, it was probably 15, 20 feet, but like a chopu thing that goes below and I was like right under the lip. I guess it's like the right in WA where it breaks on a ledge and goes really deep quickly and I got sent down to the bottom. I mean so deep and then I couldn't get up for 55 seconds, just got up to get a breath and then a lip hit me in the head um, and then I was down. I—it I, I, It's the closest I've come to drowning for sure. And that, you know, that that was a nice feeling. Like it got through, okay, this is a bit much, this is a bit much. And then I started to panic a little bit and then the panic was really short and then you sort of give up and you're like, oh, this is kind of nice and you, I don't know if it flashes before, it's like slow motion. It just, you start sort of, it's a euphoric sensation where you're nearly drowning when there's no oxygen to your brain and you're just like. Oh well, I thought I'd just about given up, and I, I didn't. And I, I took a breath, and I was up, thank God. Then I got angry. I wanted another wave, and got another big board, and came back. But that's the closest I've been to drowning. That was, ooh, was, yeah, it was kind of eerie. Maybe when Donnie Solomon, I saw Donnie Solomon die. I was the only guy to watch watch him go over the falls, I was in the, at Waimea Bay. I was with him surfing, he was kind of a little, he was a cheeky little guy and he's like, you know what, why is your board so thick? I said to paddle, mate. And he goes, yeah, you don't need it that thick. I went, oh, really? And then he, we both paddled for a wave. I got the wave and he missed it. And then I turned around and he was going over the falls on the second wave with the lip and he broke his neck and back and he, he he died on that wave. How big was that? So 25 feet, 28 feet, like a solid set at Wymere that's like, that can, you know, Wymere doesn't take over 30 feet. It sort of closes out. But there was the biggest, like, he went over the lip, the lip. And I was the only one who saw it because no one, everyone's panicking going, oh, let's get out of here, you know. Um, and then.
2: To get started, visit
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: I was like, you yeah, know what? Did that look like a Jack? Who was that guy that was in the lip? You know, and it was Donny, and he was drifting out about ten minutes later, and his board was tombstoning, and and I'm going, man, that was that Donny guy, you know? And it was. Oh just,
2: yeah, mate. I'm sorry to hear about that.
1: Yeah, and I was like. Part of me going, well, you know what? That's this is scary. You know, this is like this is the reality. And it was it was the same day, exactly the same time, that Mark Fu died a year before. At Mavericks, it was on the December twenty fourth, at eleven o'clock. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what? I'm going. This is that's kind of an eerie, I don't even. I try not to surf that day anymore. I'm not superstitious, but – and the next year, after Donnie died at 11 o'clock, I got smashed at Wyomere in the boulders underneath. I hit the bottom. I've never done that before.
2: And I'm like, this is my turn. might have to take a rain check on that day moving forward, mate. Yeah. No no, more surfing on the 24th. Might be a – Surfing. So so I'm interested to share with our audience and our listeners who are listening in right now because you're – we're talking about surfing, right? It's obviously, this is your profession. You're an absolute legend. You're a Hall of Famer in Australia, um, if not the world, and you've done amazing things for the sport, and you continue to do amazing things for the sport, whether you're surfing or you're a spokesperson. I'd like to continue <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, mate, and you will, you will. But when, when things don't go to to plan for you, so when you're surfing, right, you, you go, all right, I want to go surf the biggest waves possible. For example, I was in Nazaré in Portugal in 2018. The biggest, You got the biggest wave... Mm. so to speak of that year or whatever it was yeah when things don't go to plan ross for you how do you manage your panic and how do you
1: manage your anxieties yeah example now i mean you need to relax like that situation i got in at the rocks in 2018 in Nazareth, no one's been on this rocks before so there's an unprecedented thing you don't there's nowhere to go there's nowhere to escape there's nowhere to get up the rocks there's nowhere to the rip was just going swirling around and you know what, you sort of go back on your experiences and you can't panic. There's nothing you can do against nature that's more powerful than you. Like it'll just throw you against. If you panic, you're just going to lose energy. Uh, if you fight it, you're just losing energy. You need to stay calm, which is, it, it's, it's easy to say now and it's pretty very easy. hard in the, in the moment, but you need to. You just go, you know what, I'm going to be fine. You just tell yourself, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I might just get bashed, but I'm not going to, so I'm going to survive this always. I mean, it's like, nah, I'll be fine. And I just got pinballed around the rocks for 15 minutes. And just like, you know, guard your head. The head's the, once you hit your brain, once you, that's when you're knocked out, then that's it. Uh, that's when you're going to die. So you're going to protect your head and not panic. You can hold your breath for so long and I don't do any, I haven't done this Wim Hof training or, uh, I mean, I've done it over years. I mean, I do it with sleep apnea. It's like a, a holding your breath, it's apnea training. I do it in my sleep, which is not a joke. I'm used to being depleted oxygen. Like, Do you think that's helped? Oh, for sure. For me, I'm used to being uh, depleted of oxygen. You shouldn't be used to it because it causes all sorts of, other uh, problems with all organs and down the line so sleep acne is not a nice disorder but yeah it's about staying calm really through these situations like any situation with a car accident or when you're driving or driving faster like you know what there's nothing you can do about it so stay, stay calm and and think rationally if you panic you're just gonna you're gonna die Mm, and you'll deplete all your energy sources and you'll become more
2: tired you'll get shortness of breath and and I mean you said it perfectly then I mean people panic in all walks of life people are panicking right now as we're talking Ross with what's going on in the world so your tips to them would be what just to slow down try and remain calm do what's in your
1: control you should panic i mean not panicking right now but it's just like listen to the government for a start listen look what's happening overseas and, and especially the kids now like if they're watching like youngers are like, you know, everyone's going, ah, I can't this is an old man disease or an old person's disease or the virus went. You know, it's not true. We don't know. I mean, this it's weighing up with this propaganda as well, you know, like it's the media, it's sensationally Eliza, but no, people are dying right now and and doubling and tripling overseas. So Australia, we're really fortunate to have less people, but you know what? You don't want to spread it. Like, the kids are like, ah, I'm fine, still surfing. But who knows what's, where the virus is carrying, you know? Like, especially at Snapper, I can't imagine. Like, people spit. Like, every, everyone's surfer spits, and the, you know, and it goes through the system. If they've got the virus, like, someone down the line going
2: to get it for sure. Especially at a place like Snapper, mate. That's always got people down the
1: line, is not it? My advice is just stay put, stay home. Like, there's a lot to do at home. I'm saying that now as a 53-year-old that has been injured for nine months. <laughs> but, you know, these kids are I mean, absolutely jumping out of their skin, like trying to surf and do everything and see their mates and see their girlfriends. I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. But I just to calm down for now because it's not for long and I'll be back out there with you, <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, it will pass. And, and mate, it's probably a really good time for you to to, to stay stay put with, with your injury, get it to a place where it's perfect, and then by the time this all blows over, mate, you'll be laughing. Yeah, I know. I'll
1: be ready to go.
2: <laughs> so, mate, obviously we connected a little bit ago, and you were really keen to support living. And, mate, you're wearing our beanie right now, so I want to say thanks very much for being so open, mate, and, and honest. And sharing, what's your thoughts around living and mental health in general and and... and Obviously, you said earlier that you, you struggled with your um, your injury, and it's been hard for you to come back and get back into a routine and miss out on a lot of things. But how far has this affected you or people in
1: your life that you've worked with? No, I know. It's like it's, it's why I've done this thing because you know this ain't weak to speak. Motto was a really good thing. I mean, I, I wasn't suicidal or anything, but I couldn't speak to anyone in my lockdown now, and I was I so depressed. Because you know, I want to surf, and the staff can't do anything, and it's depressing. You know, like, and I get it, and but it's, you need to speak to someone. I only just went to a psychologist. Um, I've never been to a psychologist in my life, and I only a couple of weeks ago I did a couple of sessions with with this lady in Melbourne, and and it was good just to vent. Like I was crying the whole time. I'm going, she didn't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I paid her like 200 bucks for the one. <laughs> she didn't say a word. And it she, then she explained the second session that you've been bottling this stuff up. It's not weak to speak for sure. You need to get it out there. Like I, I was obviously harboring some stuff, you know, like in my, I was telling a, a complete stranger, you need to speak to somebody, you need to speak to like when you're, if you're depressed or like, I've never been one to share my shit. Like especially in relationships. I mean, everyone talks too much about that stuff. But when, what's going on in your own mind sometimes? A family and friends have been very close to, to people with depression or ADHD or, or disorders, uh, or mental disorders. Uh, and I've lost a couple of people for, through this, you know, and I don't want to lose any more. And I appreciate you sharing that with me. And it would have been really difficult, uh, I guess, for
2: you to, you said you hadn't you know, spoken to someone in, in your life and to get that first step to go and speak to someone and to share with them how you're feeling. How did that make you feel for the very first
1: time in your life? I was weird. I mean, I felt more depressed. I actually walked out of that office and <laughs> it started to rain and like thunderstorms, like, oh, fuck. I actually laughed because I'd led such a, a happy and joyful and uh, fruitful life until now. I've been stuck in caged animal and i was like this has changed my life you know like what my life has changed from now i can't do what i want to love to do couldn't do anything that i love to do but you have to accept change as well and i've I've accepted that and i'm going to change back when i get back
2: <laughs> yeah and you come back better than you were before and I th- i think we all need to go through that but we also need to understand that it's okay to to get to a point where you need to ask for help because we're all not set in our ways. And if you've got a mentality where you know the answer all the time and that you never need help, it's probably not the right attitude to have in the first place. Yeah, and instead of sitting there and thinking, you know, like anyone who might be listening right now that might be struggling to, to ask for help or to reach out because they're struggling you know, with the right help and the right support, you and I both know, Ross, that things can get better. We can get back on track and we start living again. And it's all right to ask for help. It's the same way if you're out in the back of the surf right now in a 50-foot, 60-foot, whatever it was, swell, and you were struggling, you'd put your hand up and you'd ask for help.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Give me the helicopter. I'm not not proud. Give it to me. I don't care. I'll ask for help if I needed help, you know. What about, mate, surfing, like with, with
2: other guys, Listening to you talking about this, like listening to you telling me about your journey and your experiences about seeking help and how it helped you get back on track and understand that you could brain dump and and get some stuff out of your head onto paper or to, to shed it to someone else that's a stranger and it helped. In your community surfing growing up, your mates with people like Sonny Garcia, Kelly Slater and people like that, what was the impact on the surf community around Sonny Garcia's suicide
1: attempt and how that impacted, you know, the surf community? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that happened because I mean, I've learned over the years, and we became really good friends. And like Sonny's, like I, I saw he was he was suffering from depression for a while, a long time, and I was so sad to hear that he tried to take his life. And I think he's been trying everything, and he was speaking to everybody and help me, help me. You know, he's been exercising was a, a really good thing for him, and that does for everybody the dolphins get released and and that's one of the best things that you can do uh for depression that's for sure and i'm not a doctor but i know from experience just to exercise
2: it's sad and it's you, you and i both know with as as we mentioned earlier you know with the right help and support and for some people it's very hard to seek help because they don't know what they're asking for or what that looks like you know i've got people in my family and my friendship circles that struggle asking for help because they feel judged or they don't not good enough and they're going to look at being weak and that's why we're doing everything we do with living around it ain't weak to speak you know and and empowering people to speak up and you you've said it firsthand your experiences with it and you know we're grateful to get people on the show like yourself to to share from your experiences you know because i can tell you right now ross from the outside looking in people be like fuck man this bloke surfs the biggest waves of all time he's hard ass he's as hard as nails, this bloke—he could do anything. But to be honest and vulnerable and share your experiences goes a long way to people who look up to you, you know, and yeah. want to become big wave surfers and want to become professional athletes. And I think it's—it's it's a testament to the work that you've done, the work that you continue to do. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm yeah very grateful to have you on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you.
2: What's next for you, then, mate? As far as you know, the road to recovery and then getting back out in the surf—how does that sort of trajectory look for you over the next coming months?
1: You know hopefully in the near future, I'm just going to surf in Australia and try to find some big waves around here and get back into surfing and hopefully go to uh back to Nazareth and and Galicia in Spain with um Axi Munyan, he's a, a bass surfer over there. Um, that's what we're meant to do this year. So, what are you looking for? Like, what are what... Oh, these massive, massive slab sort of waves and the tubing, massive waves. Do you want the biggest wave or do you want the best wave? What are you, What are you looking for? Biggest unknown waves and exploring about more about exploring is to me is the key. The process. You love the process, the journey. Uh, to get the perfect wave in Nazareth is, is hard, but I mean, there's there's so many more waves in, in Spain and um, in Portugal that and Morocco as well. I really want to in, uh, explore more of that stuff considering what you still
2: wanted to achieve considering what you've already achieved and what you're setting out to achieve is awesome i think the road to recovery is not not far and i think it's the best time right now to stay put and and start you know keep working on your self-care and um your strategies to getting back on that surfboard mate and getting back out there and i do want to know like you know when you're when you're looking for these breaks and you go all right this this is the adrenaline does does it feel any better on Bigger waves versus twenty foot versus fifty foot. Like, is there a, is there a more fulfilling feeling there for you, having the bigger wave, or is it more of an internal thing, like that you go, "I want to achieve fifty foot." No,
1: it's not about achieving. It's about getting a really good wave. Feeling is your equipment's all on, and it's about you It's a team spot too, right? When you, it's actually the getting your partner a good wave as well. It's a whole feeling when you both get waves and successfully ride them. And that's something different, you know, it's something – because the waves are always different, right? But the need's just that little bit you – know, like when I went right in Nazareth. I go, that was different. Maybe it wasn't the best wave or the biggest wave, but it was different. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Like so the good, I yeah? uh, It felt really good. And even going on the rocks, that was different, <laughs> you know? and, and that felt good in, in, in a sense, yeah. And obviously
2: amongst all that and- – amongst all the things that you've achieved to this day what's some of the tips and tricks before we close up the show and before i can let people know where they can find you and they can continue the conversation after the podcast i'm going to share some of those visuals from you on the rocks at nazara um, and some other other footage i'm going to share in the facebook group i run a podcast facebook group people are more than welcome to join so i do want to share that in there because i think that would be amazing to, sh- to show people that experience and everything else that you've sort of Accomplished people might be listening that don't follow surfing, so it'd be good to show them. But what's some tips and tricks, or any words of wisdom or advice that you'd probably like to leave with anyone that might be listening who who's, I guess, you know, looking for a career in in big wave surfing or just a career in sports?
1: I reckon the advice is to be yourself, really to be yourself as a personality and not try to be like somebody else. Be original. Be kind to people, you know, and to be open. And don't judge. Don't judge. I mean, everyone does it when you're a kid. Everyone judges. Yeah, you know, you're not like this. You don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't judge people because more often not's going to happen to you. Very well said, mate.
2: Very well said. Going in with an open mind, being non-judgmental, and just being the best version of yourself. Yeah. No one can take that away from you. You've got nothing to lose and, and everything to gain. And that's the beauty of being yourself. Everyone's unique, aren't they?
1: Yeah. And don't let people bring you down you're the only one that brings you down you know people say something it hurts but you take it for the grain of salt like people say you'd you'd issue that but you know what it's they're projecting pretty much all the time it's It's not you it's them so just say you know what i know myself i'm feeling that way i'm like i'm good it's your problem (laughs)
2: Kill them with kindness, that's all I say. Kill them with kindness, stay stay positive, stay true to you, and always keep working on yourself, mate. And I, and I love that motto, and I appreciate that. Where can people find you, mate, uh, after the show? If they want to connect, reach out, support what you're doing, follow your journey, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, at, at RCJ6666. It's four sixes because it's born on the sixes, 666.
2: Well, brother, very grateful for your time. I appreciate taking the time to share with, with our audience. Everyone, you guys are listening to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. I'm joined by the legend, the Hall of Famer surfer himself, Ross Clark-Jones. Uh, we'll put all everything in the show notes, post the show. I'll share with you guys' videos in the, in the podcast Facebook group, and we'll continue this chat much more in depth. Ross, mate, thanks for your time. Look after yourself. Yeah, I will. And much love, brother. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well keep living and remember it ain't weak to speak thank you and have a top day